Let's go to the word. Last week, um, we had a, a conversation. I, I wasn't here physically. I was in, 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 um, with our church in Minneapolis, but I got to watch it, and I thank God so much for all those who participated. Amen for the conversation that took place. Uh, we're continuing our series on, on, on the family feud. And we've done a number of messages, and we've had the conversation. We're going to have another conversation next week. And next week is going to be dealing with the relationship between parents and children. That whole issue of, of children honor your parents, and parents don't provoke your children to wrath, and all of the issues around that relationship uh, we'll be discussing next week. And that's going to be very, very, very powerful and very practical. So I want to encourage you. So invite your friends, invite people, invite young and old parents, and, and be here next week in Jesus' name. Today, I want to minister you um, in this series on this area of immaturity and how immaturity in marriage undermines and destroys marriages. Hallelujah. Now... Remember we said to you a number of weeks ago that a house or family is built on wisdom and understanding. That's from the book of Proverbs. It's not enough simply for you to feel love for one another. Most people who get married get married because they feel they love one another, yet many are getting divorced. And the reason is, it's not just love. There has to be wisdom. Amen? The Bible says we should dwell with her with understanding. So wisdom and understanding rightly applied in the marriage relationship is critical. Now, where do you get wisdom from? You get wisdom from God. Hallelujah. When you need wisdom, if you, you go to God for wisdom. He says if you need wisdom, ask him. Amen? And the place to start is with God's word and the revelation that is in the word concerning your life, concerning marriage. And, of course, Jesus has made unto us wisdom. And so you always want to look at Jesus when you're looking for wisdom. Amen. He is wisdom personified. If you want to know what wisdom looks like, sounds like, look at Jesus. Look at what he said and look at how he lived. And you see wisdom at work. Amen. And when you ask for wisdom, no God's going to give it to you. He said when you ask for wisdom, believe. He, you're going to receive wisdom. He will guide and direct you. And just know this, that often the wisdom that comes from God is, is not going to be something that you always think sounds very wise. Amen. There, there are often times when God will tell you to do things and show you things to do. Or when you look at Jesus and you see how Jesus handles something, that's going to be the last thing you want to do, and you're going to, with the mind, think this is not going to work. But Father knows best. Amen. Just remember, God takes everything into account when he gives us wisdom. And he's always, always going to be wiser than you. Hallelujah. And so when he gives you wisdom from the word or by the spirit or as you look at Jesus, you go ahead and trust that wisdom and acts upon it. I mean, look at Jesus. Who would have, humanly speaking, counseled Jesus to, 
allowed himself to be put to shame and to be crucified as the way by which he would become Lord and Savior of the world. I mean, that's not human wisdom. Jesus, if he were acting on human wisdom, would have called for angels to deliver him. But the wisdom of God said, you know, let them crucify you. Accept the shame. Ask God to forgive them. Jesus submitted to God's wisdom. And the word of God tells us three days later, he raised Jesus from the dead. Today, Jesus is Savior and Lord because he submitted to the wisdom of God. I don't know what you may be struggling with in your life personally or in your marriage or with your family. I want to encourage you, submit to God's wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Look for wisdom in his word. Look to Jesus. Trust God to give you wisdom. And then you go ahead and follow the wisdom of God. In Jesus' name. Gideon was facing the Midianite army. The odds were already tremendously against him. In terms of numbers, there were so many more Midianites than he had in his army. And yet God told him, Gideon, you got too many. I want you to reduce the size of your army even more. By the end of the day, Gideon had only about 30-something thousand people to fight hundreds of thousands of Midianites. But God said, listen, reduce the size of your army. I'm going to give you another strategy for defeating them that does not require this kind of these kind of numbers. Gideon followed the wisdom of God and gained victory. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat, afraid he and Israel were going to be under attack from forces far greater than him. And he went to Jesus. He went to God. He prayed. God gave him wisdom. God said, put the singers, put the praisers in front. What? Are you, are you kidding, God? But that was the wisdom of God. He obeyed, he trusted. I'm sure he questioned some things in his mind, but he went ahead and obeyed God anyway. And you see how God turned the thing around. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, the people are hungry, send them away. Let them go and get some food. Jesus said, no, you feed them. And they said, wait a minute, we only got five loaves and two fish. How can we feed? So, so this doesn't make sense, Jesus. Jesus said, you go ahead and you feed them. They obeyed. They obeyed. They took simple steps of faith, followed the wisdom that Jesus gave them, and they were able to feed a multitude with five loaves and two fish. The wisdom of God will, will, will work. Are you hearing me? God's wisdom will work, so let's follow the wisdom of God. When we're making personal choices, personal decisions, let the wisdom of God guide us. When we're dealing with family issues, let's submit ourselves to the wisdom of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, when it comes to the issue of maturity in marriage, I want you to understand that, that, again, God provides wisdom, and we need to listen to that. We need to put that into practice, because if we don't, we're going to struggle in our marriages. And unfortunately, some of our marriages are going to, going to end prematurely. Um, Rick Warren, Rick Warren, uh, some of you know, uh, after pastoring for 30 years and, of course, uh, counseling many, 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 many um, couples. He said after 30 years of counseling and counseling hundreds and hundreds of couples, he could reduce what they needed to two words. This was the sum total of what they needed to do. 
And he said it was simply this, grow up. Grow up. He was saying all of the people he saw that came to, to, for counseling and that he tried to help, after reviewing the many sessions he had over many years, he said really, fundamentally, the problem was simply that one or both of them refused to grow up. So listen, if you're going to have a fruitful, successful marriage, then everybody say, everybody say, now I'm going to share some things with you today that I first shared with you maybe 15 years ago in the series Home Improvement. And one of the things I said then was this, marriage is for grown-ups. You know, marriage is not for children. There's some things that children just aren't ready for. And marriage is one of those. If you are going to be married, you've got to be mature. You cannot approach marriage as a child, and you certainly ought not to choose someone to be a husband or wife who has not grown up, who is not an adult. And now here you say, well, but Bishop, of course. I mean, I'm an adult, and my, my spouse is an adult. Don't you see the hair on my chest? <laughs> Don't you see how the size of my nose? Uh, Don't you see the gray hair under her wig? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Laughter is good for medicine. It's, it's as good as medicine, right? Amen. Don't you see how slowly she walks? We are adults. We are grown. We are mature. We are not children. We weren't born yesterday. We're not spring chickens. And so we think that we're grown up, we're mature, we're ready for marriage because we're 30 years old, 40, 50. We have the bodies of, an, of adults. Uh, but maturity, when it comes to marriage, requires more than biology. Your maturity uh, and your readiness uh, to be a husband and a wife, the, the thing that will determine whether you're man enough or woman enough to be married is not your birth certificate and the year and the date you were born. Because here's the reality, the world is full of boys who live in adult bodies. The world is full of girls who live in adult bodies. Uh, it takes more than biology to determine maturity. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I man enough to be a husband? Am I woman enough to be a wife? Maturity. Because the lack of maturity is at the root, again, of many marital problems. We just didn't grow up. 
before we got married and since we got married, we haven't grown up. And so we're dealing with marital issues, but with the mentality and the emotions of a child. I believe all of us have heard of IQ, right? What is your IQ? And do you have a high IQ? But how many of you have heard of EI? Emotional intelligence. And when it comes to marriage, when it comes to maturity, your emotional intelligence is far, far more important than your IQ. Amen. And we, when, when you talk about emotional intelligence, you're talking about your ability to uh, perceive, uh, discern, understand emotions and how to handle or manage your emotions and adapt your emotions to different circumstances. How high, how good is your ability to perceive, discern, uh, understand your own emotions and that of your spouse or that of other people? And how well are you able to manage your emotions and adapt your emotions to your circumstances? Babies and little children have very low emotional intelligence. Amen? Yeah, you know that and I know that, right? They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't manage their emotions very well. When they want something, their way of letting you know they want it is to make a lot of noise, is to cry, is to whine, until hopefully for them you give them what they want. But that's how they, they respond. And, and, and when you don't give them what they want, they make a noise. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll cry until they fall to sleep, and then when they wake up, they start where they left off. Right? So that's, that's true of babies. They're, they're, they, they, we've all seen children um, having temper tantrums where if they don't get their way, they fall to the ground and roll over and, and, and make a lot of noise. You've seen that before? Yeah, or you, you see them, if they, if, if, if they don't get their way, they, they, they retreat to a corner somewhere and refuse to play. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, they'll pout and they'll puff because somebody said no to them. That, well, we know that's how babies and little, little children behave. But how many of you have seen some adults who will have a temper tantrum if they don't get their way? Who will pout and puff if whatever they want, when they want it, you're not able or willing to give to them. How many of you know adults who will retreat to the corner, withdraw, refuse to play? For one day, for one week, for one month, because whatever they wanted you to do, for one reason or another, you didn't do it in the way they wanted it or when they wanted it. Do you know that? But here's the, here's the thing, guys. 
That childish behavior that you see in babies and little kids, if they're also prominent in our lives as adults, you know what that means? Our emotional intelligence is very, very low. And we're not man enough or woman enough to be successfully and happily married. What it means is we need to grow up. You see, this what I'm sharing with you is important if you're married and it's perhaps maybe even more important if you're not married yet, but you're going to be getting married sometime in the future. You need to understand marriage is for grown-ups. Maturity is required. And, and when you're choosing a partner, a husband or wife, you can't just look at their exterior, how they look on the outside. You can't just look at their biology and their physiology. You need to consider their psychology. Amen. And their sociology. And their spirituality. Because when it comes to maturity, biology and physiology is, is, is the least importance when it comes to marriage. It's how that person thinks. And how that person relates. Sociology. Do they have the relational skills and emotional skills that are needed in order to relate successfully to someone else, especially someone else that is going to be living in the same house with them for 40, 50 years? Amen? You know, last week I took an airplane to... Minneapolis. But when I went to the airport, how many of you know, my concern was not how the airplanes looked outwardly. I wasn't concerned about the logo. I wasn't concerned about the colors. I wasn't concerned about how beautiful it looked on the outside, how it was shaped. No, no, when I'm choosing an airplane, what I'm concerned about is the internal wiring, the internal structure, the, the mechanical engineering. I want to make sure those things are, are going to work, okay? Whether the plane looks ugly outside, that I don't like the color, really it's not very important. Far more important is, okay, is this thing mechanically engineered to fly? Is it properly wired with all the internal <laughs> wiring function properly. I want to make sure that the pilots are qualified to fly. I hear me? I want to make sure that they can handle turbulence. Because turbulence tends to come with flying. Hmm? And I want to make sure that the destination that they are taking off for is a destination I want to go to. Too often when it comes to marriage, we fail to pay attention to the internal wiring, the, 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 
things you cannot see outwardly, but which are far more important for the outcome of that marriage, we tend to, to, to choose people because we like their, their physiology. Amen. We like the way they look, how pleasing they are, they are to our eyes. And we choose on that basis when, when yeah, in marriage, that's, that's, that's a factor. But the most important things we tend to ignore. I mean, it's, it would be crazy for me to get on an airplane and I didn't know where it was going. And I had serious doubts about the internal and mechanical structure of that airplane. It would be crazy to get on that plane without knowing and being pretty certain about those things. To just jump on a plane because it's pretty or because it's the, it's, it's the, it's the first gate that I got to. I just, okay, I'm going to board that plane because I'm closest to it and it's easiest to get in. We don't do that, right? But it's even more crazy for you and me to board the love plane, to take a journey without being even concerned about the destination, uh, without being concerned about whether this person that you're about to take this journey with has the emotional or relational skills necessary to not only start the journey, but to deal with the turbulence along the way and land safely. Okay. So for those reasons, if you're planning to get married or if you're already married, we've got to pay attention to those things. We need to grow up. That means we need to look at our emotional and spiritual intelligence and see whether we're man enough or woman enough to get married or to be married. Now this is where Jesus can help us. The Bible says concerning Jesus, if you were to look at Luke chapter 2 verse 40, go to Luke 2.40. And the scripture tells us in Luke 2.40, and the child, that is Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The child did what? He grew. Now if Jesus grew, how much more do you and I need to grow? The child grew and became strong and spiritual. Uh, in spirit, that means uh, um, spiritually, he, he had spiritual intelligence. He, he grew spiritually. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. That's a description of someone who did not just grow physically. Did not just um, get a deeper voice. Grow to be five feet ten. He grew spiritually. He grew emotionally. Now go to verse um, 50, 56, I believe is the last, last verse in that chapter. 52, excuse me, 52. 52, Luke 2, 52. And you'll see there again, the scripture said, and Jesus did what? Increase in wisdom and stature 
And in favor with God and man, again, you notice increasing saturated refers to his biological and physiological growth. But the Bible also says he grew in wisdom with favor with God and man. That's, that's, that's emotional growth. That is social growth. That is spiritual growth. Jesus grew. And so here's the good news. You can grow. Amen. You can grow. If, if you have not yet grown where you're man enough or woman enough for the marriage that you're in, here's the good news. Are you still alive? Are you still breathing? Is God still on the throne? Here's the good news. You can grow. You can change. You can become mature emotionally and spiritually. You see, there's some things you're born with you can't change. Your fingerprints, you can't change your fingerprints. But your character, you can change when it comes to your character. But you got to make the decision that you need to change. And perhaps that's the greatest challenge because most people are unable or unwilling to accept the fact that they need to change. It's always the other person, which by the way, is one of the key indicators of immaturity. Here, here, here are two indicators. If you want to know whether you're man enough or woman enough, or whether the marriage problems you're having right now are due to immaturity, childishness, low emotional intelligence. There are two things, two indicators that you can look at that will help you. Here is one indicator already suggested in this message. Self-centeredness. One of the primary characteristics of babies is that they are what? Self-centered. The world revolves around them. You exist for one reason, to meet their needs. Are you hearing me? Self-centeredness. So if you as an adult contemplating marriage or you're already married, you got to look at yourself and ask yourself, am I self-centered? And you know you're self-centered when you demonstrate very little regard for the needs and the interests and the concerns of your spouse. If primarily, chiefly, if not solely, you make decisions based upon what is in what you are interested in, what you want, what you require for your personal happiness. If that's how you approach your decisions in your marriage, that is being self-centered. That's an indicator that emotionally you're in, you need to grow. In that area where you become less self-centered and you begin to show proper regard for the needs the interests, the concerns of the other. 
Are you hearing me? If you're whining, complaining, when you don't get your way, if you're withdrawing and retreating when he or she says no to you, if you're refusing to play, you are suffering from self-centeredness and you need to grow there. I mean, I've seen self-centered adults and all of us to some degree, including myself, have participated in that. But we need to be able to recognize it. I mean, I've seen people in line, you know, you go and there's a buffet and they fill their plates and then they come and they see all the people behind them. There are two pieces of chicken. The plate is already full. And they take both pieces. If you ever see someone do that, don't marry that person. <laughs> because that person will always be wanting the, the two pieces of chicken, always wanting what's there for themselves. They will not consider you or give you priority. If you're already married, and you're the ones that always want to take the two pieces of chicken, that is an indicator that you need to grow. If you will spend a lot of money on yourself, but when it comes to your spouse, all of a sudden you're frugal. All of a sudden the budget. All of a sudden we can't afford, but when you are buying for yourself, that wasn't a major factor. You need to grow. That's a sign of emotional immaturity. That's childishness. Look at a person next to you, married or not, just say, you, 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 you can grow. There's still hope. Amen. There's still hope. You can change. So that's the first thing you need to look at. You need to look at this self-centeredness. And here's another area that you may need to grow in because again, here's another indicator of self, of childishness, emotional, low emotional intelligence, immaturity. And that has to do with whether or not you're willing to accept responsibility for your actions. I think it was Ronald Reagan that said a, a baby is like an apparatus that has a big appetite at one end and no sense of responsibility at the other. Do you hear that? No sense of responsibility. A baby will make a mess and expect somebody else to clean it out. 
And many of us in marriage are like that. We make messes and we refuse to take responsibility for the mess. Instead, we blame the other. It's always your fault. I mean, an adult, a person who's man enough, a woman enough to marry, has to be someone who's willing to accept responsibility for the messes he or she makes. You cannot always continually blame the other person. It's never you. If you open the refrigerator and something falls out, it's not because you're not careful, it was because the other person didn't put the thing in properly. You hear me? You go to work, you get fired, it's never because you were lazy. It's never because you were continually late. It was because somebody there didn't like you. Or somebody lied on you. Are you hearing me? If you're struggling financially, it's always because times are hard. Never because you had no business buying that car. You get the drift? If you're unable to accept responsibility, you will never be willing to make the changes that you need to make. And if you don't make the changes you need to make, things will remain the same. The other person can change, but if you don't change, not much will change. Am I clear? And so, so let me wrap this up. Time is, time is not in our favor. Marriage is for what? Grown-ups. Jesus himself grew up. He didn't only grow physically, he grew spiritually. He grew emotionally. He grew in wisdom, with favor, with God and man. The good news is you can grow Some people grow without growing up. But the good news is, you can grow and grow up. And if marriage is going to be what it is, then you have to do what? Grow up. And if you're going to grow up, there are two areas you need to pay attention to. And it has to do with the area of being self-centered and being unwilling to take responsibility. So growing up means... I become more selfless, less selfish, and I am willing to take responsibility and accept the blame for things that I did that I should not have done or things that I didn't do that I should do.
and I will stop making it my, my, my way of, of operating to always blame my spouse or blame someone else for problems that I either created all by myself or I fully participated in creating. So now, once you decide you're going to grow up, then you've got to be willing to do some repenting. Because you don't start to grow and you don't start to change until you start repenting. Now, when I say repenting, I'm not saying come to the altar, oh, God, I'm so and start to cry and, and, and no, no, that's not what I'm talking about because people come and cry and they go back and they're worse than they were. <laughs> Nothing changes, right? Because they go back and they're the same. Now, when we talk about repentance, we're talking about identifying the th- areas that are wrong in your attitudes and your behavior and making a decision that you're going to change the way you think and the way you behave in that area. Hmm? So look at yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to help you see the areas that you need to work on and be man enough, a woman enough to say, you know what, this is childish. This reminds me of my little two-year-old baby. And that may be okay for a baby, but it's certainly not okay for me. I just read the story of Queen Victoria. I understand when she was a child, um, it was very hard to get her motivated. The people, the instructors who worked with her were frustrated because they couldn't get her motivated to learn. And then one day they, they said to her, listen, Victoria, you are going to be queen of England. And it dawned on her that she was one day going to be queen of England. And when she realized that this was her lot, that this was what had come to her and this was going to be her role in life, to be queen of England, the story says she turned to them, she says, then I will be good. And her behavior profoundly changed after that. When she realized the huge responsibility that she would shoulder. Listen. You need to recognize the huge responsibility that you shoulder as a husband, as a wife. You are married to somebody's daughter. You're married to somebody's mother. You're married to somebody's son. You're married to somebody's father. You have a huge responsibility. Recognize that. And make the decision. I'm going to change. I am going to grow up. Repent where you need to repent. 
And then do what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Who though he was God, did not think equality with God something that he was going to hold on to. But he humbled himself and took on the form of a slave and was obedient unto death. And because of that, God has exalted him and given him a name that is above all name. May God exalt you. May God give you a name, husband. May God give you a name, wife, that is worthy of the calling upon your life. May when your name is mentioned as a husband or as a wife, may people have a reason to say he was a good father and a good husband, a good wife and a good mother. We set him and we set her up as examples for you younger ones to look at and to follow. The scripture says, let this mind, which was in Jesus, be inside of you. And what does that mean? It means you can actually operate and learn to think and work and live and love and serve like Jesus. You can actually grow and be someone who is selfless and not self-centered. You can actually become one who is willing to take full responsibility for his actions. Jesus is your example, but not only is Jesus your example, he is able to help you to become as he. Let this mind allow it to be so. Allow it to be so. Allow it to, he will help you to think differently and to act differently, but allow it to be so. And you start to allow it when you start to repent. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say, Father God, I thank you for this word that brings correction to my life that challenges me to grow up. Lord, I repent where I've been self-centered. I want to be selfless like you. Where I've been irresponsible and been quick to blame, I want to be like you, taking responsibility for my actions, making corrections where I need to. Lord, I want to exchange my attitudes, my behavior for yours. I let your mind reign and rule in my life. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. I hope, I hope you're wiser because of what you heard. And that you're going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only.
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, thank you.